Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to Wood Talk. For woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who put the fine and fine woodworking. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Alright, it's Wood Talk number 329 for October 17th, 2016. On today's show, we're talking about tricky double-sided tape, buying your first backsaw, and router tables. Now, today's show is sponsored by Brusso Hardware. Brusso provides high-quality American-made woodworking hardware for furniture, cabinets, boxes, and more. Wood Talk listeners can use coupon code WOODTALK for 10% off your first order at brusso.com, and I highly recommend you do that because they make great stuff. Uh, we'd also like to thank some individuals who helped us out with donations over at Patreon. Uh, these are all pledges. They haven't been charged yet, but we're giving them the benefit of the doubt by announcing their names now. Uh, Carl Luff, John Alexandra Vicote. Colin Smith, Keith Johnson, Nathan Stein, Bob Breck, Wilson, just Wilson, uh, Chris Wigness, Tony, Warren Hine, Michael Geelan, uh, Matt Parker, and Peter Middleton. Thank you so much for helping us out. Now, those people went to patreon.com slash woodtalk, and they saw, you can look in the side column there, it's got different ways that you could pledge and different amounts that you could pledge, and the things that you get for those pledges. And uh, thanks to everybody's support so far, we've accomplished... She's what, three or four different goals that we had set, delivering more content, taking away ads that might get annoying. So a lot, of, a lot of benefits come from this program. And we actually had to add a new goal because we ran out of goals. So the most the most <laughs> recent goal, we're just making crap up at this well, point. Achievers. Uh, next time, Matt will uh, try a new hair gel. He's hey. going yeah, we could just do th- like crazy <laughs> things like that. Um, but we actually we are might actually hit those goals. Those are ones that people really sign yeah. up for. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but we put one on there that is, it, it really means a lot of work for us, but it's something that we think is a really cool idea, but the dollar amount had to go high just because of the workload that would be involved. Uh, and we're just basically calling it wood talk video. And the idea would be to kind of take concepts and things that we covered that month on Wood Talk that might lend themselves a little bit better to the video format. And we would each make a video. So basically we're thinking like three videos a month uh, where we go and explain those things and, and use video and, and uh, props and things like we normally do. What you know, kind of our bread and butter is video. So um, we think it would be a great accompaniment to what we do with the audio and uh, be a great way to kind of spruce up that YouTube channel, actually make use of it for something other than just these live feeds. <laughs> Uh, so that's something that could be very cool. And you can help us out over at patreon.com slash wood talk. And uh, let's see. I think that's really about it. I think we can go into what's on the bench now. I want to know if the new Patreon Bob Breck is the same Bob Breck as the weatherman in New Orleans. Uh, most likely. Because he used to be my college roommate's father. And hmm. if it is, I want to say thanks, Bob, for getting us into that uh, exclusive party in uh, Mardi Gras in uh, 1996. Mm. I still remember that well. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. Did you did you earn some beads when you were in Mardi Gras? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I showed my boobs. Nice. Some beads. I'd pay I met Harry Connick Jr. though. That was pretty cool. That was a cool event. Sounds like a that. good time. So thanks, Bob. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Appreciate that. Uh, all right. So what's on the bench? 
Um, well, I'll tell you what's really weird is officially woodworking in this shop, knowing that it's someone else's property. It's very odd feeling. <laughs> like I'm used to obviously working in here, but having my family right there and knowing that my family's in the house, I mean, there's at this point, they're still only five minutes away, but I, I feel like I'm like in this island of, of my little woodworking world and someone else has invaded like the area around my island and the new homeowners are here and I've got this, you know, basically it's down to about a week now um, that, that's left for me to finish everything up and get out of here. Are you kidding me? My compressor just turned on. Should I go turn it off or just let it go? <laughs> I'll just let, I'll let it go for a second. It's time for a drink. So the new people have like started moving in or they're, oh, they're, they're there now they're in the the pods are sitting like in the, come out and talk to you or yeah i've talked to them well the thing is the uh we have to collaborate on some things here because the internet i'm still paying for and the uh the, the modem and the router is actually in the house so i've got to kind of keep tabs on what's going on there but um you know so they're very nice people it's very cool very you know good situation but it just feels weird it feels weird to be in here it's a woodwork in here and i'm working um super early in the morning and late at night trying to get this clock done and it's just odd it's like it's someone else's property i can't just go inside and get a glass of water you know mm. well you think that would stop yeah. by now wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah you think it would yeah. it's a, a lot of air it's a big tank i mean there it is don't hurt yourself over there uh <laughs> all right so there's that and come on air force now's your cue air force <laughs> yeah seriously that well that normally that doesn't that's funny that actually happens a couple times a day because i've got a leak in there so i should probably take care of that uh but you know what because of all this going on i am trying to finish this clock and it's it's crazy like i've i've never had this much of a time crunch because there's always like even if i don't hit a goal like all right i'll push it off a little bit or i'll be able to figure something out there's always more time that i can create this is a situation that like if this clock isn't done i can't just <laughs> i can't just push like move things around and make excuses like it either is done or I say, sorry, guys, I'll finish it in a few months when I'm in Colorado and it's not freezing in my garage. Well, more than a few months in that case. Uh, so so I, I, like, I've got no choice. This thing has to be done. Um, so it's a breakneck pace and I'm doing my best to like not be too tired, not be too frustrated and do all those things that tend to lead to injuries and stuff like that that we hear about. So, uh, But it is definitely <laughs> becoming a very stressful thing. So I'll be glad when it's done. Uh, the other thing is hinges. Um, you know, we talked about our, our, our sponsor of the show, Bruce. So I do have some beautiful hinges of theirs, but I don't think I want that really bright brass look, right? Uh, I showed you guys pictures uh, of those hinges and uh, I'll talk about them a little bit more, but I'm actually going to try to antique them a little bit. And I have other hinges. I didn't, I'm not doing the actual hinges yet. I've got some other brass hinges that I'm testing out and I, I looked it up and there's like, there's a ton of different ways that you can cause the sort of antiquing patina um, to, to happen to the brass. And what I happened to have in the shop was ammonia. So I saw that some people use ammonia and salt to do it. So I had ammonia and I'm like, I don't, I don't have any salt. And, uh, and Nicole was supposed to bring some, she forgot. So I'm, I'm saltless. And then I see the bag of pretzels sitting over here. My big <laughs> Snyder's, uh, oh. sourdough hard pretzels. So there was one left. So I ate it. And then I went into the bottom of the bag and grabbed a few uh. handfuls of all of that salt that ends up in the bottom oh of the bag. And I just threw that into this little Tupperware thing with the ammonia and some paper towels. <laughs> so I don't know if it's going to work. There's pretzel crumbs in there oh. too, which is great. So I'll let you know how the pretzel Tina uh, brought to you by Snyder's of <laughs> yeah. Hanover. I'll let you know how the uh, pretzel salt uh, ammonia reaction goes on these things. Uh, yeah, but I'm pretty excited about popping. it. So yeah, it's good stuff. Oh, and last thing is with this clock, the movement and the lining up of the chimes and getting all that stuff to play well together is exactly as painstakingly difficult as I thought it would be. <laughs> like you look at it and you're it like, it's one of those head scratchers where I almost don't even know where to begin, but we just kind of went for it. And uh, Brian Benham is helping me with the plans and we did the best we could to estimate where things should go. But version two of the plans is going to have a lot of corrections over version one, uh, just by getting in it and, and getting my hands in it. Some things just were not going to line up properly. So um, getting those things to line up was absolutely a chore. But once you know the numbers, it's fine. It's just, you know, being the person who has to to create those numbers and make them uh, something that other people can reproduce. That's the tricky part. Better be good. Yeah, it better be yeah. good. Well, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? So it doesn't tell accurate time. 
It looks pretty. <laughs> right. Well, it could. It, that's what, I mean, that's they, what people have smartphones for. Nobody actually looks true. at a clock anymore. But in know? this case, though, you've got a, you've got not just timekeeping, but you've got a chime that has to sound right. And if the hammers aren't hitting just right in the right spot, it could be just all wonky sounding. So we'll see what happens. But it, it was a, it was a cool experience, though. So that's it for me. A lot going on. I'm tired. What are you doing? You look tired. You look pretty tired. I am. I'm super tired. I'm not shaving. I'm not washing. I'm not taking <laughs> yeah, care of my kids. Because that's an indication. That's true. This this is just a regular uh, Monday for me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's all good. So what do you got going on, Matt? Oh, this past week I uh, was painting my sawmill. I got the I pulled the carriage off the mill and uh, slapped some paint on the track, and it looks uh, pretty good. You know, I've had nice. a lot of people telling me I better hurry up and paint that thing. And um, this is the best performing sawmill video yet. I didn't really do any work on the actual mill. I just painted it. Nice. And it's performed better than the other ones. What kind of uh, what kind of paint did you use? I used POR15. It stands for paint over rust. Ah. So the whole idea with that paint is actually like it chemically bonds to rust. So the actual prep work for new metal is much more involved than if it was just a big rusty pile of metal. Oh, no kidding. So that's mm. kind of why I was letting it rust and leaving it out there to patina mm-hmm. and kind of age a little bit because I knew that that was the paint I was going to use. So I figured, you know, why make more work for myself? Yeah, you so, should have tried some pretzel salt. I hear it works really well. That probably yeah. worked fantastically. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been better. Be and the bonus is you get pretzels. That's true. You got to eat pretzels to get the salt. Oh. So now I'm hungry for pretzels. <laughs> Way to go, guys. Yeah. Way to go. We do this every show, I think. Somebody mentions something about food. It's the snacks go on. The Wood Talk snacks. Right. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, the other thing going on this week is Triton is here. They're doing some videos and a little bit of photo shoot action. Wow. Um, they're here through Thursday, and then uh, April Wilkerson's coming up tomorrow. We're going to do some stuff together as well. I heard about be a that. a fun, busy week. Yeah. I was listening cool. to uh, the Woodworking Podcast. And, you listen uh, to podcasts? Sometimes, you know, when I'm uh, when other I'm, podcasts when I'm pooping. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, there's a long wow. time. There's been I've been working so much with uh, the the headphones on, just trying to get this project done. That it's been podcasts and audiobooks. I listened to like three different uh, audio or novels um, on Audible, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, I heard her mention that. So so what's this like? Because you're both sponsored by Triton, so they're kind mm-hmm. of bringing you guys together. They're footing the bill for this. Yep. Yep. And you guys are going to like do a project together or just stand around and look at orange tools? Uh, that's what I did today. They did, a, they did a photo shoot today in an interview. So that's pretty much what I did was I just like I grabbed the slab up back from behind the shed, some junk slab, and I was hitting it with one of their power planers mm-hmm. and their belt sander and their track saw. Just looking cool, you know, looking tough with the tools. Looking like a badass. Yeah, you know, badassing it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. And when, when April's here, we're going to do a... Um, like a a lumber making video or like talking about trees and how figure grows in trees and how you can cut logs up different ways, stuff like that. Nice. No, no singing duets or anything like that. Oh, well, if you have a recommendation for one, I'm sure she'd be up for it. Okay. That sounds good. I'll have to, I'll have to see what she's, uh, what what her favorite music is. Um, so how was she going to be there on a Monday? No, tomorrow through Friday, I think she's in town. Okay. All right. I was going to say, cause I know we wanted to get her on the show and how cool would it be if she was like there on location, just get another mic or something, but never mind. That's not going to work shoot out. next week's episode tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> we barely got this one done, dude. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Shannon almost didn't make it 15 minutes late. Uh, speaking <laughs> of Shannon, what's going on, man? Oh, you know, working a full-time job, <laughs> I don't running a full-time excuse. business, that's... running another business, running a business within a business, that's too hard to go. BS, I don't want to hear that crap. Director of marketing and the entire marketing department for, a, you know, world's oldest lumber company. And, oh yeah, my own business. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on, Shannon? Uh, it was a rough weekend. The rough weekend. I had lots and lots of plans to do mm. certain things. And I want to say I spent probably six hours in the shop this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which was much less than I wanted to. But the worst part is, is of those six hours, I want to say probably 30 minutes of just good work got done. <laughs> the rest of it was just stupid crap, like getting in the way and <laughs> 
literally in some instances, things in the way that had to be moved, which led to, you know, 20 minutes of shuffling things around and moving things around. And then, then a battery goes dead. And then a, I had a cord like give out on me, like a, an AC adapter cord, just give up. Hmm. And uh, it was just like one thing after another. And then, so I'm working on bandings. That's what I was meaning to work on was, was inlay bandings. And I got, um, it's one of those things where you, you kind of, it's a multi-step thing where you lay up several side by side, kind of like cutting boards, you lay them up side by side, and then you slice out pieces and flip them to create like a checkerboard. Mm -hmm. So I was slicing out the pieces and I created this little kind of dedicated bench hook that has a, a stop in it so that I get exactly the same, um, width of, of slice coming off this thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm cutting those out and um, I go, oh, you know, what would be useful here is if I could lift this whole thing up because the, the, the little offcut pieces kept like falling into this little groove. And what I wanted to do was kind of sweep them off the back of the hook, but that wasn't really going anywhere because there was no place for them to go. So I thought, well, if I can angle it up, they'll kind of sweep down into this little, little bucket so that I don't lose them, you know, just this literally was just a little bucket that I want to keep them in. Mm -hmm. So I go over to my lumber rack and I pick up these um uh they're actually uh bolsters from a plywood shipment that i grabbed at the yard they're um two two actually two by four full two inches thick by four inches wide of that um like euro multiply like really really high quality plywood mm -hmm. um and they were just used to stack bunks of plywood on and i grabbed a few of them to use for like glue calls and just for like setting things up on stuff whether air drying or finishing or whatever so i go to grab one and one of them like catches on another one and it comes sliding down off the rack and whacks me right in the side of the head. Oh man. Like in the temple to the point where I saw stars and it was only, it probably only shifted like four inches before it compacted into my head. But <laughs> it was one of those things where I like took a step back um, in, in like defense, but it was too late. Uh, needless to say, I've been checked out. I don't have a concussion or any of that stuff. But well, that's good. As as I stepped back to avoid it, and then it kind of hit me. There was kind of like that recoil, and then the recoil back, like ow, and then I swung back, and I whacked myself again on the side of the face. <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, I can only imagine what this would look like on film. It was just like an idiot move after idiot move. But needless to say, I like completely tweaked my neck, so Ugh. I can barely even turn to the left now. Like great, <laughs> fabulous, Shannon. So, there's yeah. there, there's a fire behind you. <laughs> what? Kenny's on fire. Turn <laughs> <laughs> my body around. Uh, it was just terrible. So then I just I was just uncomfortable and then just grumpy, yeah. which just led to me getting less and less and less done to the point where Sunday came around about ten thirty a.m. on Sunday. I'm like, beep it. I'm going in the house. <laughs> I'm go watch just, Netflix. Just watch football all day. Nothing I just blew it off and just went in and like put a heating pad on my neck and, you know, just, uh, it was just frustrating. Cause not only was there a lot of stuff that I had planned to do, there was a lot of stuff I really needed to get done in order to meet some deadlines. So yeah, mm -hmm. everything's going to be back a week or two or, oh, well. or whatever. Oh, well yeah. that happens sometimes. It's getting right. old man. just, just little things like quickly looking to the left can <laughs> hurt my neck. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I uh, the, the other day I got up from this exact chair, in fact, and I think I was sitting cross-legged or like I had my, my foot up on my knee and I must have been there for like an hour and just didn't realize that it was cutting off circulation. And it <laughs> cut it off in such a way that I stood up and started to walk away and my, my knee buckled, but like like the wrong way. <laughs> and I've never had that happen before, but whatever I had done to like deprive blood in my muscles, it just was definitely not able to support my weight. <laughs> I was like, what the heck is this? So yeah, I mean that maybe that's not a getting yeah. old thing, but it was it was funny. It made me feel old. I don't yeah. often just kind of, you know, my knees don't go the other way very often. Um, all right, let's get into what's new. Got a couple things to share with you folks here. This one comes in from Chris. He says, just wanted to pass along an awesome video by the Samurai Carpenter. It's a video of him making a bed for his son who was diagnosed to die at birth, but survived and is now eight years old. And I, I've seen the little uh, thumbnail for this. I haven't actually watched the video yet, but knowing this guy, it's, it's going to be pretty awesome. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but that's one thing that happens to me as I'm getting older. And I think fatherhood had a, a very big role in that is I am a big softy anymore. Like when you talk <laughs> about like bad things happening to kids and it like I will cry like a like a little baby girl. 
and it, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing and it's, it's really been since i've had kids that that's happened um and i've talked to other new dads and they say that it affects them the same way like stuff that they wouldn't even have flinched uh, about before now at the drop of a hat uh they could start crying so i'm gonna admit that it's okay i'm with you <laughs> okay i was, I was right. hoping you'd back me up on that <laughs> yeah i was thinking whether i was gonna go with it just for just be a man and not admit it Go, yeah, or just leave you hanging for a bit. You could have just left me hanging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pull that tough guy act, but like I cry at Hallmark commercials, so shut up. <laughs> hey, you got you guys have dogs, and dog lovers can be you know very much the same way. Of you just all you have to do is think about something happening to your dog, and it's like it's terrible. Done. Terrible. Anyway. Anyway, this next one comes from Paul. He says, "Talk about ingenuity." This guy makes a mini lay that would give me, Shannon, nightmares. Mm. And actually, just the opposite. This is awesome. Yeah. We've we've talked about videos like this before where somebody who just has like nothing and just pure like an idea in his head just pulls this out of nowhere. And he created like a little tiny lathe with like a flywheel that it reminds me of like a, like a 12-inch disc sander is what the flywheel looks like. It's just this little, it almost looks like a disc of sandpaper. Um, he's run a belt to it. He created all the, the headstocks. I mean, there's, uh, there's absolutely no precision or, or like high tech anything in this. And I love it. It's a fact where like his turning tool, I think it's a hacksaw blade and it's just so <laughs> cool awesome. to see this little like bench top lathe. And he's making like, um, imagine making like shaker pegs or like chess pieces. That's basically the capacity of this. So the the swing is probably like two inches. So it's just this really little thing, but it just like came out of his head and just awesome. grab some carriage bolts and grab some like rubber bands. And, <laughs> and, you know, the only thing missing is duct tape, but man, it works and it looks so cool. So yeah, I just, I really admire even, even the guy in the video, like grizzly dude with like the Vanderlust beard going on. Uh, it just works. <laughs> so yeah. It's very cool. You got to admire those can do attitude people, like people who decide they're going to build their own bandsaw mills and things like that. Who are just like, here, (laughs) let me just weld this thing to this thing and uh, bada bing, bada boom, there's my bandsaw mill. (laughs) Make it up as I go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the best. Uh, You know, I I do that, but with wood. Like, I don't venture beyond the world of of wood when it comes to these things. And it's it's just because I haven't been exposed to it much, so I wouldn't even know where to begin with those things. But um, there are so many people in in our craft and people, especially now with YouTube, people that we come across who are sharing what they're doing. uh, And they they amaze me all the time that they just like, it doesn't matter (laughs) like that they don't know 100% exactly what they're doing. They're going to make it happen even if they learn along the way. It's just this no fear exploration thing that's pretty cool. It can be scary yeah, too, but it's pretty cool. You're fearful. You're very feel, well, fearful. Well, I am. Thing, I I'm cautious anymore. Well, it's just the opposite of, you know, like the paralysis by analysis. You know, there's so much information on the internet. And this is a guy that's just like, yeah, whatever. This is what I'm going to do. You know, yeah. and I actually, thank goodness that he actually like created a video of this because it's truly original content. Yeah. Well, do you guys feel that, I mean, this might be an aside, but do you feel like that makes you gun shy about experimentation? The fact that there are so many people out there, not just producing the content, but watching. And there's a lot of armchair people who maybe saw 10 (laughs) videos on this topic. So they think they know it uh, and they'll, you know, they won't be afraid to tell you when you're doing something wrong. Do you find that that limits some of the things you're willing to do in your shop and at least document and and video doing in your shop? Hmm. Yes. Yes. And no. I mean, I, I do like to experiment a lot, but I, I think that something this far out there is just not something that really fits me. No, just, not, not even that specifically. I just mean in, in general. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, cause like when no one else is talking about it and here's a good, for instance, the, um, these hinges that I'm doing, like I've never tried putting a patina on a brass hinge and all these methods are doing me. I know nothing about it. So the the question I'm asking is, should I be hesitant to go and film this and say, here's a great way to, to patina your hinges when I've only done it one time? You know what I mean? Like you, you, we always admit when that's the case, but we live in a universe where before I even post that video, people are going to expect us to have researched it and watched the 20 other videos that are out there on how to get patina on brass. And why didn't you do it this way? Or why didn't you do it that way type of thing? It right. just seems like well, it's, it's a bit of a deterrent I, to to experiment 
on your own without doing tons of hours of, of you know, research before starting. I do find myself doing more research now, mm-hmm. especially if I'm going to do a public video. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's what's so funny is like the premium stuff where people are paying for it. I'll actually, I feel better about that because there's so many other things they get and my like students so shape what it is I do mm-hmm. now that it seems kind of contrary. <laughs> yeah. The premium stuff should have more research, but you know, the premium stuff is, is more of a journey than just a one-off type video. Thanks for paying. Here's some crap I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, a good example are the bandings that I'm doing right now. I mean, I I've made like six different ones right now and I'm probably going to make another six or seven more before I even do uh, a video on this for that inlaid award thing I'm doing just mm-hmm. because I just don't have the experience in it and I'm making mistakes left and right, which, you know, people are always like, well, we want to see the mistakes, but it's like, no, these are just stupid things. Yeah. Like pulling something off the shelf and getting head in the face with a, I want to see that. That you should definitely show. I want to see that (laughs) for sure. I I would watch it over and over and over. It would be an instant classic. (laughs) It's it's a gif. It's an animated gif. There you go. It's going to be my new uh, tour. I know for me, like at least for a content consumer, I really enjoy like the, uh, I guess the experimentation videos where someone kind of comes at this like, I don't know what I'm doing. I this is where I, this is where I want to go. I'm gonna try and get there. I'll take you along as we get there. And even if they don't actually get to that point, you kind of learn the mistakes that they made so that you don't make them yourself, or so you kind of get a more a decent understanding of what's going on with that process and why it failed. Yeah. So at least for me, when someone tells me that you can't do something, that's really helpful. I need to know why not. Yeah. Mm. So. The, the failures that people can share with the world or whoever is more beneficial than just seeing how it's done because that's just how it's done, not because why it's done that way. Yeah. So there's definitely something to be said, charging in and just trying things, even when you don't, you don't even know what the right questions are to ask when you're doing it. But as you go through that process, it's really valuable for other people to see that perspective. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. All, All right. right. I, I totally like t- took us off course there. Um, I think you got yeah. the last one here, Matt. I do. I do. This is set in by Charlie. This is in our uh, blog post over at Tools for Working Wood. He said that this was uh, something interesting to take a look at. It's a little article on CBN wheels. It's those cubic boron nitride wheels, basically diamond wheels for your grinder. Um, I've been actually thinking about getting these at some point. Like, I go through like, the phases in my life, in my woodworking life, where like I get like really into turning for a little bit. And then, like, I don't anymore. <laughs> so every single time I get, like, really into turning for, like, a month, I was like, I should go get some of these CBN wheels. Um, but this is a really good little um, blog post about the wheels and how they were kind of beneficial over the standard um, whatever they are. Standard. Aluminum oxide. There you go. Yeah. I had never heard of these before, honestly. Um, oh, really? Well, I mean, in hindsight now, I think I think I remember people talking about them, but it, it didn't really, like, process you know, they said something, this isn't, this isn't a wheel. I'm like, okay, so it's some new wheel. But right. I never really paid attention to the, what is it, cubic boron nitrate? I yeah. Is what it actually stands yeah, for. It's but basically, it's a diamond wheel. The fact that it doesn't require dressing is kind of cool yeah. to me. Yeah, it's just it like, absorbs just like heat rather than reflect it. That's, That's pretty, pretty awesome. Good stuff. All right, so we've got some items of kickback here, and we talked about LED lights in, uh, I think, the last show. So we got quite a bit of feedback, opinions, people talking about what they've done with regard to LED lights. Um, so definitely go to woodtalkshow.com and check out that post, the, the, our last show, and you will find some cool conversations going on there. But uh, one in particular, I just uh, two people wrote in, Bruce and uh, Bon Pacific, are sort of talking to one another. Uh, Bruce says, hey guys, good episode. Had a comment about the LED shop lights. I like the idea of LED lighting, but look at lumen output. For the money, fluorescent bulbs, T8s, are still the most light output for the money. I know people say LEDs will last 20 years or whatever, but that's the bulb, not the transformer or whatever powers them. They've not proven to last long enough for the average person to see a full savings since they are so pricey. And Bond Pacific replied and says, just browsing Home Depot, a Phillips four foot T8 fluorescent, 2950 lumen, 20,000 hours, costs $9 and 47 seconds for 47 seconds, $9 and 47 cents for a two pack. That's a 473 each, a Phillips four foot T8 LED, 2100 lumen, 36,000 hours, costs 697. That's a little over $2 per bulb. If we take the average lifetime, according to the manufacturer, into account, the fluorescent fixture gives us 12,460,000 blah, 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 lumen 
hour per dollar. The LED gives us 10, let's just say 10.8 million lumen hour per dollar. So fluorescents are about 13% cheaper up front for the light that you're buying, while the LEDs cost half of what the fluorescents do in electricity. Modern electric ballasts help, but fluorescent lifespan is greatly impacted by what type and brand of ballast they are used with, probably more so than the transformers and LEDs. In the end, LEDs are a lot more affordable. And he has a reference on ballast lifespan issues uh, and a link that you could check out there. So some interesting opinions coming in on this. Some folks have recommendations for uh, lights that are on the market today that you can just swap out for existing T8s that are uh, in, in those fixtures. Lots of interesting options. So um, please keep adding to the conversation because I've got this, this is something I'm thinking about right now because I'm going to be <laughs> doing some lighting uh, in a new space and I'd like to do something and not regret it. You know, this I, I might have to research this before I make a video about it. Uh, so uh, I, th I think there's one more comment here on LEDs. That's for you, yep. Matt. I got it. You weren't drinking, so I wasn't sure. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> oh, good. Sound effects, too. Mm -hmm. I just built a shop. Sounds and like, Sounds like you're taking a hit off the bong. I know. It's, it's a, it's a, because there, I don't have, like, I have running water, but it's not cold, like, ice drinking water. I've got this giant thermos that my mom gave me this morning. I was going to say, Mark's getting ready to move to Denver right now. That's right. Baby. I'm getting prepped, baby. <laughs> don't mind me uh, while I get high. All right, so this one is from Chris. He says, I just built this shop and used these LED lights that are amazing. You might want to give this a look, and he gave us a link to them. Cost is super cheap from an LED perspective, and the quality of light is amazing. I put them in standard recess lighting, uh, recess fixtures. $10 a bulb is approximately 10 What? Oh, oh, the recess fixtures are approximately $10, plus the bulb is around $10, so $20 per fixture. I have 1,000 square feet, well lit by 13 fixtures. Interesting. See, and I never thought about recessed lighting and using floodlights in a shop. I, yeah, I, I would, I would love to do that just because my ceilings are so low and yeah. like even a couple of inches, you know, there's one spot in my shop that's actually only seven foot three and seeing as I'm six, four, it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I, I recessed my, um, fluorescent lights cause I have the open joist bays. Mm -hmm. So the, my, my, the fixtures are actually recessed up into the bays. So I have a little more ceiling height where the bulbs are. So I go smacking the balls with a, with a whatever, a two by four board or whatever. Right. Yeah. But would you say what for your face? <laughs> yeah. But what do you think about recessed floods? I mean, I, I just have this vision in my head that they wouldn't have the, the light spread that you That's get. That's what I, mean, I would it, worry about. It works fine in the house. But I just would wonder if, like, I would love to hear more, and especially anybody who has them, um, let me know how they're working out for you, and if you, you know, if you need to have more than you I might think have. We need like a lot of them, wouldn't you? That's what I'm to thinking. have like a decent spread over your shop, like right. at least, especially for like, again, because we're filming, you know, <laughs> you need but more. If it looks good for filming, that means it also looks good for task lighting. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said last week, I ain't going back to a non-studio style shop. Right. Yeah. I mean, even if you weren't filming, wouldn't you want that much light if you could have it? Now that I know. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if yeah. you're doing like sensitive chiseling operations and you need to see exactly where you're placing the chisel into a line, I mean, that stuff is so much easier to see if you have good lighting. So, um, but seriously, anyone who uses these canned recessed lights, like you would inside a, a, you know, your house, if that's working out for you, let me know. I'd be very curious to see, um, how that's working out. Love the low profile idea. Uh, all right. Yeah. So I mentioned yeah, before, What's that? What'd you say? I said what you said. Yeah, I want to know too. Me too. Uh, so yeah, I mentioned before that the show today is sponsored by Bruso Hardware. And I am using Bruso's hinges on this clock project. Now, last week I had done the first half of the installation, putting them into the frame. And this week, at least the way I like to do it is, you know, in a two-part operation. So once the frame has my hinge mortises located, then I, I put the, the door frame into the opening and I shim it so it doesn't move. So it's kind of vertically locked in place. And then I just use a, a, a knife, a very sharp knife to transfer the marks and the locations uh, directly to my door. So... Excuse me. Always when I'm doing an ad, I, I start burping. What's that say? It's like an <laughs> allergic reaction to it. Um, it's a serious form of flattery, I think. I think so, too. Uh, so yeah. what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So I'm working on the doors. And that, again, this is one of those things that when you can just depend on everything being the size it's supposed to be, all the marks are easily transferred. And I just extend my lines, remortise on the door. 
And I don't even have to think about it. Like, you know, that installing that door and making sure after it, when you've done it in this two part sort of setup and I didn't do them all at the same time, you'd think you'd be pretty nervous about like, okay, well now I have the hinges in the door. Let me take it back to the case and make sure that they line up, but I don't have to worry about it because it's exactly where it's supposed to be. So both my top door and the bottom door locked into the mortise perfectly. And it all comes down to using a, a quality hinge that you can trust and that the one leaf is going to be the same dimension as the one on the other side of it. Uh, and you guys, remember I, I sent you, I actually texted uh, Matt and Shannon when I first got these hinges because I thought they were too big. And I just, I didn't even have the thing together yet, but I had some of my parts laid out and I said, what do you, what do you guys think? Is this like, is the scale off here? They look large to me. Well, now that they're installed, they look perfect. And I think the thing is, again, I'm not used to building at this, <laughs> this scale. It's a very tall clock. Um, so it, it's, it's one of those things where my brain was telling me, no, I need, I need something with a smaller uh, barrel on there. It just looked a little bit too large, but once installed, man, they look awesome. So now the, the question is what, what's going to work in terms of the patina action. Cause I do want to tone down some of that, uh, brass on there. And I guess if you're looking for a nice brass finish, these are, are perfect for you. Um, but the way I want this thing to look, it's got to tone down a little bit. So let you know how that goes. Uh, hopefully they don't mind me. <laughs> doing that to their hinges, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, great. He's, he's promoting, uh, you know, destroying the finish on there. But I think it's, that's a valid thing to do to bright brass is to age it a little bit, make it look a little bit darker and, uh, take them up to the next level, baby. So yeah, it's really good stuff. Continually impressed with the quality at Bruso. You just can't go wrong. Um, so check them out at Bruso.com and remember that, uh, we talking listeners can get 10% off your first order using the coupon code would talk and thanks so much Bruso for sponsoring this show we really appreciate it and thanks so much for making great hardware and setting the bar for excellence because it's kind of what you're doing uh, thanks get... for being you Bruso thanks yeah you do you Bruso do um, it up right let's do some voicemail shall we hey yeah. you know what it's another another show and another voicemail from AJ you what? guys remember AJ right uh, AJ's a good dude but he uh, he's the king of open ended questions great <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, guys. Good setup. Hey, guys. This is uh, AJ again from New England Woodworking Studio. So I have a question um, about teaching. So I am doing an open house at my local woodcraft uh, school, and I'm going to be doing a dem- uh, demonstration on segmented wood turning. Uh, this is in Walpole, Massachusetts. And it's almost kind of like an audition for me to maybe start teaching some segmented turning classes uh, come the new year. So I just wanted to get some advice on what you guys know all of you teach um, at Woodwork in America, and you have your online stuff. And so I know this is kind of all of your fortes. So just any tips, any advice, anything that you think I should know or direction to lean towards i take anything i know it's kind of open-ended but sorry <laughs> uh thanks guys love the show i love aj's uh, his method here it's like hey guys um i'm gonna eat dinner tonight i'm not sure what to make <laughs> discuss you guys like food <laughs> talk amongst yourselves talk amongst yourselves discuss but you know the first step is admitting you have a problem aj so we appreciate you admitting that <laughs> open-ended all right so, well, so he's teaching uh and it's yeah and he said it's cool. a, wood, a woodcraft right yeah mm-hmm. i think so okay so any i'm just trying to think because i've done a couple of those classes i've taken a couple of those classes uh and, and taught some as well so i'm just trying to think off the top of my head because it has been a while since i've taught um you know, what kind of advice? Just random, random I, general I, I advice. I got some stuff. I got some stuff. Yeah, it's to probably come up fresh in your minds. So you, go ahead. Yeah. Well, both from WIA and certainly from teaching down in Texas. Um, first things first, teaching online is not teaching face to face. Two very different things. But you really want to lay out an outline of what it is you're going to teach and then probably cut that in half <sighs> because it is amazing how what you think is a very simple thing. Oh, you know, I'll I'll cover this in 10 minutes. We'll take 45 minutes. And I'm not just talking about people having questions, just making sure, because now you're talking, you know, to multiple people and making sure everybody gets that. And then there's the time to like everybody walk back to the benches and everybody come back up here. And and it's, it's amazing. Like what a time suck teaching in person is. So Mm -hmm. lay out your plan, cut it in half. Mm, that's that's definitely good what about you matt i would say 
um, anticipate the questions or the things that people probably have are going to have questions about and have explanations either within your presentation or um, expect to be well prepared to answer those questions. So if like if someone has a question about something where you need a visual aid, have a visual aid for that mm-hmm. and anticipate you're going to need that. I think that's kind of the, one of the biggest things that people kind of like, they can see that you're at least prepared for it and you have a good piece of advice for a question that they actually have a, something they actually have a question about and kind of fill that need, I guess. Yeah. Um, my advice would be to, um, to set your expectations um, properly. And what I mean by that is anytime I've taught one of these classes, I always had this vision in my head about you know, me sort of distributing the information and how that's going to be done. Like Shannon talked about the outline. Here's my outline. Here's what I'm going to accomplish today. And I'm even, you know, talking about five day classes where you really need to budget your time every day to make sure you hit the finish line at the end. Um, in these more shorter form classes, even then you're, you're sort of teaching techniques and it sounds like a project at the same time with this, uh, segmented turning. So you're going to have in your head what you expect to accomplish. But the one thing that, you know, a, a new instructor might not account for is the fact that someone will always be slow and you will, as you're teaching, like depending on how many you have, you will find that certain people are your fast people. They're done first. And then like they're pulling you in multiple directions because the people who are done first want to keep going and they need your help. The person who is last it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy. Like once you're last, you're going to always be last because you can't get to them until these other things are done. So just be realistic about, you know, the fact that you're going to be jumping around and not everyone is always going to be at the same point in the project, depending on its complexity. If it's a really small project and a quick turning, you might be able to get away with it. Uh, but, but expect to help people and hold some people's hand a little bit more than others and do your best to try to accommodate that because there's nothing more frustrating than going to a class and sitting there picking your nose because two or three people are just really slow. And then you're sitting there going, all right, well, I guess I'll look at my phone. Um, so you're trying to, to satisfy the needs of all these different skill levels and people who are, some people are faster than others. Um, so I found that that was one of the rude awakenings of like this master plan I had for how the thing would go. The fact that some people are just so slow that they are days behind the rest of the class, but you still are obligated to walk them through the process. Uh, and that could be super, super tricky. So just be prepared. A lot of that that stems from people just learning differently. You know, some Mm -hmm. are like, they see you do something once or they don't even need to see you do it. They just need you to describe it. And they're, they're there. And then there are others. And actually I find this more common. There are others that have read a lot. Yeah, you know, they've they've hit every blog, you know, they've yeah. read Christopher Schwartz stuff from top to bottom. And, you know, their head is so full of great information. But, man, it's so hard to, like, kick them into first gear. Yeah. Um, and and it's tough to do, especially because who am I to refute what Chris Schwartz says? Yeah. You know, yeah. But you know what? Not in this situation. Don't do that. And like, yeah, but Chris Schwartz says I'm like, yeah. <laughs> screw that I'm guy not gonna be the guy <laughs> who's in forest <laughs> punk yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, no and, i run into that a lot you know not to, to drop names but i run into a lot a lot with paul sellers i mean the man is so good at what he does and he's been doing it for so long and his brand is so huge that i'm constantly getting people saying well we should do this we should do this and i I'm, i just totally disagree and it's not because he's right or i'm right and he's wrong or vice versa it's just in context, it makes more sense to do it this way. And a lot of times people have it. They can't quite grasp that, you know, that it, it might be better to do it one way or another in this particular situation. The best thing to do with a Paul Sellers comment is to say, Peter Sellers, I had no idea he was a woodworker. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's what I do. Um, the other thing I'll add is back to the concept of people falling behind. If you do have someone who just happens to be really good and they've got an aptitude for this, lean on them a little bit because a lot of times you could recruit somebody who is ahead to help you pull everyone else forward, you know, and if they're, they're competent and you trust them, um, you could use them to help you kind of keep everybody, keep the train moving forward. Uh, all right. So, Hey, if you want to leave us a voicemail, like AJ did, you can uh, call us on Skype. Username is WoodTalk online or call us at 623-242-5180. Oh, and you know what? You can use the uh, email, uh, woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And if you want to send us a voice memo from your phone, that's a great way to do it. The call quality for that or the voice quality for that is really great. So don't be afraid to email us your questions or comments. Uh, all right, let's get to our emails. 
to email. All right, so email. I got one here that's just very general um, for everybody that I thought would be quick and fun. Uh, Matt on Patreon asked, do you ever make projects just for yourselves, no cameras? A uh, very quick answer for that to me is not anymore. No. <laughs> very rarely, mm-hmm. if at all. Um, what about you, Matt? Ditto. It's it's just I mean when you're in our position, it's you feel guilty when you don't, and it's a wasted opportunity if you don't. missed opportunity. Uh, Shannon, yeah, anything you've done recently for yourself? Uh, absolutely not. The camera goes on for just about everything. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, because you're right. It's a missed opportunity otherwise. And everybody's always like, "Well, I wish you'd film that. Yeah, you should. Oh, are you going to film it? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, right. Oh, we're having pork roll tonight. So what? Good. Sounds good. What time? Uh, in about an hour. Actually, I might eat <laughs> nice. in the shop tonight, depending on how much I get done. Uh, all right. Hey, so, Matt, why don't you call Triton and see if they'll fly us over to Mark's place for pork roll? Ooh, oh, awesome. They'll foot the bill. They've got money. There's there's, a, there's a reason for that, right? There's plenty as of long, Triton money to go around. Well, yeah. we have some. Uh, we just bring some tools with us. So yeah, just right. bring you a router. Use, and... Well, you can use the hand planer to plane off some layers of pork roll, and we oh. can uh, fry it up. It'll be delicious. Oh, man. Tell you. Good stuff. Jersey pork roll. Uh, all right. So I've got a question here from Eric. He says, I sometimes find myself cursing Mark in the shop and it's always for the same reason. Uh, he's so good looking. No. Um, he says double, <laughs> double-sided tape, <laughs> double-sided tape. I always see you use it and you just pull the backing off like it's nothing. How does he do it? Now, despite Shannon's claim <laughs> that it's because I have greasy Italian fingers, which I do, but... That's not the reason. Now, here's the thing when it comes to this double-sided tape. For years, I was able to get from Rockler this stuff called Turner's Tape. And that's just the way it was sold. That's how it was named. And it has worked uh, flawlessly for me in the past. And I still am using the same role I've had for years. Uh, It lasts a really long time. And the paper comes off very easily. It's super sticky. Sometimes it's, you know, difficult to get the pieces, like, pulled apart again after you use it. But since then... And I haven't bought a roll in a couple of years. I keep hearing the same complaint. And I think what's happened is I'm almost positive that they've changed either the supplier or the formulation and how they actually make it so that the the paper is extremely difficult to get off. And that's that's what's happening here. And people have this problem. So I think I just wanted to make sure I I sort of let people know that what I'm using may not be the same stuff that you have. Uh, I think that's changed since then. So I'm going to be really kind of, you know, annoyed if I go and place another order and find that I'm having the same problems everyone else is like, why change it? It worked great. Uh, But yeah, so that's the reason why. And I think not all this double stick tape is created equal. So hopefully, I don't know, I'll let you know after I make another purchase, hopefully it'll still be the same stuff, but don't be uh, too hard on yourself. It's, it's definitely the product and not you. Um, But of course it does also help to have just a little nub of a fingernail. Like don't trim your nails all the way back. Make sure at least one of your thumbs has a little bit of, uh, got a little blade there that you can use. Cause without that, you're not getting that tape up no matter what you do. Even the stuff I have, you need a fingernail for. So that's that. Sharpen that on a CBN wheel. Yes. At least it won't heat up. That's the good thing. (laughs) (laughs) I use carpet tape and I use a marking knife to pull the backing off. Yeah, carpet tape is one of those examples of the ones that the backing does not come off. Like, <laughs> you have to use a knife to get it off. <laughs> See, that's the thing. If I have to use a knife, that's 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 a problem to me. I want to be able to use my fingernail to do it. But I guess, you know, maybe we we'll all vampire nails it. or something. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they're not they're not that bad. <laughs> uh, right. <Wow>. Halloween. <laughs> yeah, Halloween uh, is coming. Feel a little goofy tonight. Sharpen your nails. My bad. Oh, man, this next one here is from Ted. He says, hey, guys, can you talk a bit about your router table setups? Uh, Sure, let's hear about your router planes, Shannon. I (laughs) I think we all have router planes. Yeah. Uh, Likes and dislikes. Uh, Is a router table with all the bells and whistles worth it? Can I get away with a blue table? I guess that's the brand for $500 where when everything else is $1,000 to $1,500, he's building traditional furniture for what it's worth. Is he talking Um, about Craig as blue? I, I, guess I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I, I could paint my tabletop as blue because I use a blue piece of laminate. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, my router table is a homemade one. I built a little cabinet. I made a top. I got the router lift and inserted that into the top. And uh, I had planned to, like, add, like, the little T-tracks to the back so you could, like, have the fence 
slide forward and have little lock knobs on top to lock it down. Never did that. I just clamped the fence in place now with little quick clamps. Um, so I go, I definitely lean towards the no frills side of things. My fence has a miter slide in it. I've never used that before. I was planning to put a miter track in the tabletop. I never did that. Don't miss it. Didn't need it, I guess. Um, so I, I definitely lean towards the no frills and don't worry about it kind of thing. The one thing I did do because I made it myself is I made the tabletop like really big. It's um, I think it's 20, 28 or almost 30 inches deep and 42 inches wide. Uh, that way, if I'm doing a pattern routing, I have a ton of like workpiece support mm-hmm. um, for like bigger stuff. Because uh, most of the time, those router tables you buy, they feel a little small to me. Like the, the top does at least. Yeah. But, you know, when you're making it yourself, you can make whatever size you want. And throw a nice lift in there and you're good to go. I don't know. I'm trying to remember whose shop I was in. <clears throat> and this is years ago now, but it was the same type of thing where they had like like 36 by 50 <laughs> like router table. <laughs> and the thing was just awesome. You know, there was just so much real estate to just move things around. And uh, that looked pretty cool. The downside is it's so much real estate to like put crap on. Yeah. 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 Set stuff on. <laughs> now, now using the router table becomes even more difficult because mm-hmm. you can clean, you know, 80 pounds of parts exactly off of it. Exactly what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a couple of things I'd recommend to look at um, just things that have bugged me about router tables, and I don't mind buying them, you know, but there's the, he's right. There's a big price variation from one to the next. And especially when you get into the lifts, you know, there's a lot of difference, and there is quality difference between them as well. Um, look at a couple of things. Number one, the support system for the tabletop, because if you're, if you're not careful, it winds up sagging over time. If there's not enough support, I've got a Jessam set up that over time it did sag, but they made these support bars that you could actually screw to the bottom that help keep it nice and stiff. So if you are building your own, consider that as well. Maybe just get some, you know, some steel tubing or something, uh, and use that to reinforce it so that over time, if you've got a big three, um, three horsepower router in a big heavy lift, it's just going to happen. Like almost anything you make that top out of short of like a cast iron top is going to sag over time. And if it sags, then suddenly that router table is a whole lot less useful to you. If you're, you're doing long runs and work pieces all the way across, that's a huge pain in the butt. Um, so make sure you get something that isn't likely to sag. Uh, look at the inserts. Um, that's, that's one thing that can vary quite a bit from brand to brand is whether the insert is made out of like a phenolic plastic material or is it metal and how flush does it sit with the surface? If it's metal, the thing better sit flush because otherwise if you, you know, run, even if it's just a little bit off and you're running a workpiece across there and you get that snag, that's, that's horrible. That sucks. If it's a phenolic material and it sticks up, you can actually take a blade to it. I actually have a, a like an old Stanley block plane that if I put one of these little ring insert rings into the router table and I feel it sitting above the surface, I'll actually take that block plane and just very carefully uh, give it a few passes and try to flush that thing to the surface. So that's one of the advantages of a phenolic material. Uh, also, you could very easily increase the hole size if you need to, and you usually get spares uh, that, that have no holes in them and that you could use those for custom bit sizes. So that's why I kind of prefer that phenolic. But th- those are two things I would suggest looking at before you make your purchase. I would back up Matt because I can remember I went like all bells and whistles and stuff at first. (laughs) Yeah. And then I eventually ended up just hanging it off the side of my table saw and using my table saw fence. And, you know, the lift was the best thing I ever bought as far as just making it easier to use and easier Mm -hmm. to dial in that exact cut. Because what is it? It was a Jessam lift. And it's like, what, one rotation is a 16th of an inch or something like that? Kind of like a planer. Right. Um, And I mean, man, you dial it, raise it 128th of an inch, you know, to get it exactly the, the way you wanted it, which was really, really nice. But yeah, I ended up making it myself. And my biggest issue was the dust collection. Cause I was really like OCD about all the dust. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess ultimately it kind of depends on how much you're going to use it for. Like if you're doing a start to do a lot of joinery with it, you're going to want attachments on your fence for things like stop blocks. If you're doing stopped grooves on there, if you could have a stop lock on each side for the start and the stop of the cut, that's really helpful. And you know, yes, you could just clamp something to it. But for instance, Jessam has, which is what Matt does. Yes. Which is, that's fine. That's fine, Matt. I, say, don't, I just ran a clamp across. I'm trying to think of. Don't feel bad about it. But 
you know, just the one of the bells and whistles sort of things that I really well, like is if you've got that T track and you've got a stop that you could just kind of slide in, tighten a little nut and it's there and done. And that's always the stop that you use. That's really convenient. But again, you have to use it a lot. You have to need it a lot for it to, for that particular type of bell and whistle thing to make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably sure. lose it. I'd probably take off the fence and lose the stupid thing. Put it in the stand. <laughs> It's not that hard, Matt. And your shop's small. How do you lose anything? It's all like within under, arm's reach. Like underneath things. <laughs> oh, you know what? I have I have a piece of advice I just remembered. I remember when I created my router table, it was like, well, I'm going to have this drawer over here for bit storage. And I had all these different bit oh, storage yeah. drawers. Mm-hmm. And um, there is really no way when you have a cabinet and a router table to create a, com- a completely dust-proof case <laughs> right so i i always remember you know i had dust extraction and everything in the main part and i'd open the drawer with the router bits in it and they'd just be filled with dust <laughs> it's like <laughs> all that hydroscopic dust just sitting in there coating all of my nice fair uh fair surfaces yeah, it was never battle. never good so like build a separate router bit like storage and like hang it on the wall don't waste a uh, cabinet space in your router with all the little bit drawers oh, not to mention like me. router bits are one of those things that at least for me, the collection never gets any smaller. Like, yeah. It only gets bigger, and I only add more stuff to it. So it'd be nice what, to have. What, what collections get smaller in life? Isn't it like the opposite of collecting? Um, <laughs> money collections, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that, tend, that tends to get smaller for me. Uh, 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 all right, what's what, all right? We beat that we? horse dead. Let's let's move on to Matt's question. <laughs> Matt says, I'm new to woodworking and starting to amass some tools. He's collecting them. Oh, he's collecting uh, more. I'm, ah. I'm looking to buy a back saw that I can use to cut a variety of joints, dovetails, tenons, etc. And I'm thinking a Veritas carcass saw will let me do most things. But I'm not sure if I should get crosscut or rip. Is there a major difference for what I want to do with the saw? Or is the difference more of a luxury? Um, if you could buy one, which one do you buy? All right. I could get really pedantic and say, well, because it's a carcass saw, it should be filed crosscut. But Veritas is <laughs> very difficult and confusing by offering both rip and crosscut on saws like a carcass saw, which by its very definition is a crosscut file. But that's OK. Mm-hmm. I, I just said I wasn't going to get pedantic, didn't I? Yeah. Yes. It's my job. It's my job on this show to be elitist and pedantic sometimes. Yes. Buy yourself a carcass saw. I've said this in videos on the Renaissance Woodworker. I think it's a it's the best first back saw that you can get it's kind of your your jack saw if you will it's you you'll utility player that you can use a lot of different things as far as whether or not to get it cross cut or rip i don't care no um <laughs> i mean a lot of people a lot of purists will tell you there was really no such thing as a cross cut filing in the 18th century everything was rip frankly if you're talking he mentions dovetails and tenons those are both rip cuts so you know why not get it rip filed I think that the disadvantage of a ripped tooth does not make that big of a difference when you're dealing with such a fine pitch like a carcass saw. You know, a car a cross-cut tooth will slice a little bit more, will make more of a cleaner cut across the grain, will mean less blowout on the backside of the cut, but you can decrease all that by reducing the pitch as well. And that's kind of where the carcass saw is. You will be doing some cross-grain cuts, like sawing out the shoulders of your your ten, your tenon cheeks or that one half pin on the end of your dovetail board but you know you're probably going to be creating like our first class saw cut there anyway using a knife line and maybe a chisel to outline that so when it comes to tearing out it's not really that big of a deal so i think you will get a little bit more speed out of a traditional rip file tooth than you will with a cross cut but honestly you put them side by side it's going to be such a minimal difference because the pitch is already rather fine that I think you, you could buy one of each and you might mix them up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we play a shell game and you go, okay, here's the rip one. Boy, it's cutting great. No, sorry, that's the crosscut one. So if we did the Pepsi challenge, you might not win. <laughs> All right. You know, when you, use, uh, when you use the word pedantic, I always think of this. The administration's plan for peace in the Middle East is shallow and pedantic. I agree. Shallow and pedantic. Mm, I agree as well. <laughs> shallow and pedantic. <laughs> Good family guy clip. Like grinds my gear. Shallow and pedantic. 
Uh, all right, so I think that pretty much does it for the show. If you want to uh, get into the email extra that we record every show for our $4 patrons, you can go over to patreon.com slash woodtalk, and every time we publish the show, there's that little extra where we talk about something else, answer another email question, and today we're going to talk about the honeydew tasks that we tend to put off because of woodworking or shop time or other things we have keeping us busy, and uh, that should be very interesting. Uh, so if you want to support the show, you can, of course. I just mentioned it, patreon.com slash woodtalk. You can also get a woodtalk t-shirt at t www.store.com and you could leave us a review in iTunes if you'd like just find us in a store click on ratings and reviews and then click that five star rating and I don't uh, I don't feel like reading any today maybe next time uh, so Shannon you will accept all shallow and pedantic reviews yes <laughs> shallow and pedantic uh, alright Shannon give them the contact info we'll get out of here if you have comments questions topic suggestions that's too loud why are you yelling <laughs> he's very excited <laughs> there are several ways to contact us people Leave a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalk Online. Call our voicemail online at 623-242-5180 or use our fancy contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact and you can leave us a comment on our website. You can leave a comment on Facebook. Heck, you can even go to Patreon now and leave comments there. So, so many ways to get us. Too many, frankly, if you ask me. Yeah. We need fewer. Uh, All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Hello and pedantic. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.